Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm flying home by Perisic! It's Eric Dyer. Bang! Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! And an equalizer from Ben Davis. Neubier! What a strike by Bissouma. Audio's flying in again and wins it. Great work from Romero. What a save by Lloris. Jed Spence. Oh! Off the bar of Jonasson! Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you're listening to us for the first time, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, or across all major audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter, at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. Joining me back on the show, I've got Jamie Brown over at the Daily Hotspur. Jay, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Ricky. And, of course, you know, Tottenham making it a nice time to be a Spurs fan at the moment. Obviously, a good start to the season. We had that nice win at Wolves and that. Uh, Obviously, today's show, really, really good one. Obviously, got one of the very top Spurs journalists on, so really excited to speak to him. So, uh, yeah, should be a good show. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Conscious, obviously, over the last, well, since the window has opened, we've had some really, really good top-tier journalists join us on last one on Spurs. A lot of people have been asking us, when are we going to finally get Dan Kilpatrick on from the standard? So, I'm delighted to say we've actually finally made that happen. Dan, love to have you on last one on Spurs. Firstly, how are you? How's your summer been? Well, thanks. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my summer's been good. Uh, yeah, quite um, hectic, uh, as, as we've just been saying, kind of off air. Just got got a new baby, so I've been on paternity leave for for some of it, and I missed I missed kind of all Spurs signings. Really, I missed Richarlison. I missed Basuma. I missed that kind of glut of early transfer business, which was a kind of blessing uh, and a curse, I suppose, because you you want to be in the thick of it and. and in this job you don't want to be missing things but at the same time um it was quite nice just kind of sitting back putting my feet up when I could and kind of watching other people do all the do all the hard work and, and try and get those stories 
Well, Dan, listen, it's an absolute pleasure to finally have you on last word on Spurs. And I'm conscious, like I say, there's so much right now around the transfer window. I think from us, like I say, in terms of this show, we maybe want to take, a, again, covering maybe aspects of where we are in the window, but also looking around Spurs in general as the club over the last year or so, which I know you've covered um, quite extensively, despite the fact you've managed to find a way to have paternity leave in there as well. So all the power to you. Um, listen, it has been a a good solid start from Spurs this season, obviously seven points out of a possible nine. And what have you made so far of the campaign, given the fact that Spurs already had obviously six signings come in and then subsequently a seven one that went back out on loan? Thoughts overall, Mm -hmm. Dan, for you? So in terms of the start of the season, I think uh, very positive. I mean, seven more points than from the corresponding fixtures last season. Uh, Already kind of... Five points up on Liverpool, four on United. You know that that that's a nice position to be in. Um, and I think it, it's a cliche, but at this stage of the season, it's really about results, not performances. Um, I mean, if you look at kind of typically Guardiola City or, or Klopp's Liverpool, they don't tend to really get going until kind of October, um, even November. Um, that's going to be a bit strange this season because then there's the break for the World Cup in mid-November, but. You know, the, the really good sides at this stage are just looking to get points on the board um, by hook or by crook, really. And then they're not kind of expected to be a, a full pelt. So I think the fact that, that Spurs have, have got seven points, not necessarily played particularly well, is, is absolutely fine. Um, and I think if I was to pick out one thing, it would be the, the kind of mentality aspect of all three performances. I think, you know, Southampton coming from behind, um, you know, to, to win very routinely. Chelsea, you know, finding a way back twice and then to kind of dig it out at Wolves and, and what was quite a tight game. You know, all three matches that there were kind of signs of this this new found sort of steel um, determination and, and, and the kind of signs of a squad that are sort of finding a way to win uh, when they're not at their best. So, yeah, I think everyone can be, can be really pleased uh, with, with the first three games so far. Yeah, you, you spoke there about the performances. Obviously, we saw the game at Stamford Bridge. It was far from the most ideal, ideal performance from Spurs. Kind of, I mean, but how were you maybe slightly concerned about that performance, or do you think that maybe the result was the more important thing in terms of Spurs getting a point at Stamford Bridge? Do you, were you worried about that result and performance at all? Yeah, I mean, I think I think first of all. Um, it is just really difficult to go to, to Stamford Bridge. I mean, and especially when you're Spurs and you've got this weight of history on top of you and the record there is horrendous. But look, Chelsea will, will win most games at Stamford Bridge or at least not lose most games. You know, they're, they're still, you know, a top three side at home. And I think that was maybe missed in the aftermath when people were dissecting the performance that actually, you know, there just aren't many sides that are going to go there and, 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 and come away with anything. So... Um, I think it was a really good point. I do think there were, there were aspects of the performance that, that were slightly concerning, particularly when you, you kind of marry that game together with the Wolves game as well. Um, because I think in both games, Spurs were just overrun a bit in midfield. There wasn't much control there. Um, that they, they were kind of um, outpressed and sort of outplayed by, by greater numbers. You know, Wolves had the three and, and Tuchel kind of doubled up quite cleverly with his with his wing backs, but everyone kind of shifted shifted over to to um give them an extra man on the right um and i think both wolves and chelsea are sides that don't really have a finisher um wolves obviously um had jimenez on the bench um but he hasn't 
you know, quite been the same player since he came back. They had Guedes up front and then, and everyone knows that Chelsea don't really have a centre forward. So I was kind of looking at those games and thinking if either of those sides had, you know, just a half decent or, or kind of lethal poacher up front, then, then Spurs could have been in a bit of trouble. So that that is definitely something to look out for. Um, and I think we'll, we'll maybe come on to this later, but um, you know, you wonder whether Basuma or, or Skip or, or both, um, you know, might help give Spurs a bit more control in there. Because I think that's something they've missed in, in, in the first uh, you know, two out of the three games anyway. I mean, go on, Jay. I was just I was going to say, obviously, one thing that really impressed me at that Stamford Bridge game, although it wasn't the best performance, I thought the new signings coming off the bench were really impressive. And uh, obviously, it's been a very busy transfer window for Spurs. Seven new players through the door, the likes of Basuma, Richarlison, Perisic, uh, Longley, Jed Spence, uh, Fraser Forster and uh, Destiny Adogi. I mean, how, what have you made of Spurs' transfer business so far? And of course, you know, a week left, you know, maybe might there, might there be more done? And uh, what have you made of it so far? Yeah, I think it's been really, really encouraging so far. I think it's just been a really kind of almost strangely competent uh, window from Spurs. I mean, not least in the speed with which they did most of their business. You know, they got all those signings. I think they got the majority, maybe five of them in for the start of pre-season. And Spence was was sort of a week or 10 days after. Um, They'd gone back. So you know, really encouraging in that regard. Um, they're all players with the exception possibly of Spence who have either Premier League experience or kind of top level European experience in, in the case of um, Longley and Perisic. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's, it's for me, it's been a kind of eight out of 10 window so far. And, and you know, as you said, if, um, you know, if they can get, a couple more unwanted players out the door and maybe upgrade Hill and Tanganga in the last week, um, then, you know, it could easily be a kind of nine out of 10 or, or 10 out of 10 window. Um, I think it, it's been you know, re- really encouraging and just a kind of strange but uh, positive break from the way Spurs have so often done things in kind of previous transfer windows. I think, Dan, like you said, what's interesting there is the way Spurs move so decisively in the early weeks of the window. something that we're not used to, really, if we're being honest, in the last 15, 20 years with Tottenham in the transfer market. And a lot of that is to deal with maybe what's happened behind the scenes at Tottenham in terms of the recruitment structure. If you want to give us a bit of detail on that, because I know you wrote extensively about that for the standard. How, how much has that benefited the club in terms of what's happened behind the scenes in order to be able to get to Spurs where they are now in the window where they, you'd imagine, got a number of their key targets already over the line and in the squad for Conte? Yeah, well, I think Paratici's been, you know, been massive and and has, has been, you know, increasingly looks like a very good appointment. You know, I thought uh, at this stage last season that the jury was very, very much out on him, you know, not least because he had seemingly hired Nuno and you know, I wasn't particularly convinced about uh, last summer's business as well. But, you know, for... I think that there's a perception um, among the fan base that that kind of Conte um, is the one who has kind of pressured Daniel Levy or encouraged Daniel Levy to to do business early, um, and you know all his kind of public uh, statements and, and sort of 
avert pressure on the chairman is, is the reason why Spurs have changed their transfer policy. But I think that's probably a bit of a, a misconception. Like I think it's Paratici who you know has Levy's ear and, and is the one who said, look, if we're serious, we've got to start behaving like um, you know elite clubs. We've got to do what you know. For example, Juventus did or, or Man City do every year, where the, their their business is is pretty much already in place for the start of the preseason. So I think he's you know increasingly influential. Um, you know he's running the football side of the club. Um, he's got uh, a number of new hires in. Um, in uh, I think Andy Scalding's come from from Rangers. Um, uh, the new chief scout um, Gabonini's come from uh, Watford and Udinese, and um, Greta Steinson as well as his kind of Paratici's deputy. So he's he's completely transforming the recruitment structure and 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 kind of make making Spurs operate like an elite club that you know that Daniel Levy wants them to be. You know, there's not many elite clubs who who just kind of rely on 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 the chairman to do all the negotiations. You know, they have several people kind of watching players and, and talking to clubs and agents and and doing business. So I think that you know that's been a, a, a dramatic change. I don't think it's it's completely over yet. Um I think there's still kind of work Pratichi's doing behind the scenes on on the the scouting department, recruitment department, analytics department, and you know he's he's trying to to modernise Spurs, and you know at the moment, um, you know from what from what we're hearing, you know the, the signs are, are very positive. I mean, you mentioned all that there in terms of the new people coming in. Does it really feel like Levy is now finally giving over control? Because I know a lot of Spurs fans, obviously, very critical in the past of Daniel Levy and maybe having too much control. But do you finally feel like maybe he's giving over that control, given? You know all the all the new stuff that's in place under under Paratici. I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's definitely a sense that Paratici has more power and more influence than Levy's previous directors of football. I mean, Levy has always been a big advocate of the kind of European model of having a. I say European model. I mean, it was considered the European model. Most clubs have it now, but. He's always been a big advocate, and he's had Kamali and Arneson and Baldini and David Pleat, you know. But I think Pratici is is just a, a, a more influential figure than, than any of them were, and he's got more power. Um, he's he's running, you know, the the football side of, of the club. Um, that's not to say Levy's not still involved. Um, you know, he's he's been hands on negotiating some of the transfers this summer you know he's been involved in that but it is not as if it's uh just a, a kind of one man operation anymore you know it's it's much more that he's part of a, a structure and and Pratici has you know a, a lot of control and influence and say um in that structure it does feel like Dan for a first time in a long time there's actually a plan I mean it seems like there's actually a blueprint now of what Spurs are trying to achieve which is obviously great to see um just in terms of maybe looking at where what Spurs have done in the window, I mean, listen, they've brought in a array of different players for a number of different positions. Um, do you have a feeling still that there may be an opportunity still to strengthen given the, the, the time still left in the window? I mean, there's been reports that the club may look to act on a centre-back or potentially a creative-minded midfielder, depending on the outgoings. I mean, Conte was very strong um, in his, I think it was, post-match press conference, Dan, I think you was at where he said that for him now, um, this squad is this, and if someone goes away, then another has to come in. This is to be clear for everybody. 
Now, we understand, obviously, we're going to ask you about Brian Hill, what you think about him. But um, in terms of other areas you think we'd like to strengthen, Dan, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, th- I think the situation now is really that if Hill and Tanganga go, um, you know, which, which is pretty widely reported now, um, uh, Valencia are, are trying to get uh, Hill back on loan. Um, he, he'd like to go uh, play regular football, boost his chances of, of being in the Spain squad uh, for the World Cup. Um, and Tanganga, uh, I think he's attracted interest from from quite a few Italian clubs. I think he's got an Italian agent um, and AC Milan and, and Nottingham Forest are, are kind of interested in, in signing him, but Spurs are trying to work out a deal that suits them. So I think the, the situation is if those two go, um, Conte's made it clear they'll have to be replaced. Um, I don't think um, he would uh, need replacement for Winks and, and Regulon, for example, because he's not considering them part of the squad anymore. They're, they're training individually and at different times from the rest of the squad. Um, and that's also true of Tanganga and, and the Celso who've gone in the last kind of week or so. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if there's to be more business to be done, it's it's, it's players to come in, in in the positions of those two. So a centre-half um, who could play in the back three um, and a kind of creative uh, wide forward um, who, who could... Um, play in one of the, the positions across the front and, and possibly be be another option at wing-back as well. Yeah, of course, so you mentioned seven new players through the door. Um, in terms of Antonio Conte, do, do you think he'd be happy? Obviously, I know, you, you know, you spend a lot of time in the press conferences with him and, you know, we heard a lot about him speaking about the new signings. Do you get the sense that, he, that he's quite happy with what's happened so far at Spurs? Yeah, I think he's he seems really happy with it. Um you know, he certainly stopped uh, threatening to quit, which was obviously a, a theme of last season. Um, that's, handy, that's quite handy, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, th- I think he seems he seems pleased, and 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 actually, you know, he, he's he's obviously said he he wants um, any members of the squad who leave to to, to be replaced now, um, which I, again I think was a reference to Hill and Tanganga. But he's also kind of said, you know, he's not. Uh, pushing the club to, you know, sign any, spend big money on on any new players. So I do get the impression that the kind of the big money deals are are, are probably done. Um, you, you never say never in the transfer window because if you know if Inter said, do you want Bastoni after all for for fifty million or, or or whatever, then I'm sure Spurs would would consider it. But I get the impression that that Conte is is wary of, of doing too much too soon. Um, he certainly kind of hinted at that um, a couple of press conferences ago um, that he'd be, I think he said, you know, I'd be crazy to, to you know, demand the club, um, you know, spends big money on more players. So, yeah, he's he's got six players who who dramatically kind of improve the squad and improve his options, as, as you alluded to. It's already um, sort of paying dividends at, at Chelsea. Um, but, he probably doesn't want to be in a situation where, you know, he gets given two more big players on deadline day that he's then got to integrate into the squad um, in a kind of fairly limited amount of time, given the the split in the season. So, yeah, I, I think he's happy. Um, but, I, 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 yeah, I, I would kind of, I suppose I would temper expectations as to um, sort of further business. But you know, certainly um, if, if those two players go then, um, yeah, I think Spurs will be looking to do more. 
And I just wanted to ask, I mean, there's still quite a lot of criticism flying around around on social media. I mean, what a shock that is, um, obviously, given the nature of it. But, I mean, me personally, I'm really happy with what we've done. But there's still some supporters that may be being a bit underwhelmed by what we've done. Obviously, we did get into the Champions League. Can you understand that at all? Because, obviously, you know, one of the big positions we were going to go for was a left-sided centre-back. Obviously, long lay, maybe some fans can be underwhelmed by that. But can you see that at all, that it's been an underwhelming transfer window for Spurs? I mean, no, I don't share that view personally. Um, I mean, yeah, there's 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 always people that um, aren't happy on social media. I think you know you can you, you can you, you can find someone who thinks Kane's um, should be sold, or you know you you could pretty much find any opinion on there. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I I I suppose in terms of the back three, I I, I could possibly understand that because I think people. People feel um, people perhaps feel that that Longley was an underwhelming addition. Um, I think probably um, based on the fact that he's kind of a loney, um, and, and also because he feels underwhelming compared to Bastoni, who was obviously the target at the start of the, the window. But I mean, I think you know he he's someone with sort of top level European experience. Um, you know, played for France. Um, in a very, very competitive position for them. Um, had a couple of great seasons at Barcelona and then lost confidence, started making mistakes, which wasn't a huge surprise given what was happening at, at Barcelona, I think. So I think he's he could pr- prove to be a really kind of astute um, signing and, and, you know, some good competition for Ben Davis. And, and the fact that he's a loney maybe suggests that, you know, Spurs will review that position again next summer and see if, they could get Bastoni or um, Guardiola or, or, you know, someone, uh, you know, who was more of a long-term solution there. Um, but no, to, to answer your question, I don't share the view that it's an underwhelming window, but perhaps I can I can kind of get where that perception comes from when it comes to the, the, the back three. Um, yeah. Okay, Dan Wallace, and I know Spurs, we've been thinking of a numerous amount of different targets so far. And like I say, we've said that we're not going to make this a countdown a drilling session over Spurs' summer transfer window. I mean, one of the areas that we have spoken about is that uh, midfield area. Now, there is that argument where I sit on the fence where, for me personally, I still feel Tottenham, when they're coming up against teams that are going to deploy a low block, 10 behind the ball, they're going to have to find a way of breaking the defence down. And obviously, Wolves at the weekend, I think you were there as well. Um, it wasn't the most easiest game for Tottenham, you know, in terms of navigating to get themselves a win. Um, you could arguably say that would have been a game last season. Spurs would have lost, and they obviously did lose last season. But you do just feel that, me personally, there's an expectation where there's meant to be creativity from the wing-backs in terms of the way Conte deploys his system. Whereas my argument is it would be nice for Spurs to have that traditional maybe number 10 that can come off the bench, that can look to change a game. I mean, there's been loads of different names that have been mentioned. I'm sure you're aware, Dan, the likes of Madison. And we've got Raslan Malasovsky in there as well. Um, We've discussed that might be near Spurs might look at. I mean, is there any names at the moment, Dan, that are worth bringing to the table as we are now, a week or so before the deadline, in your opinion? Um, I mean, I haven't got any any new names for you. Um, I think... um, it's it's an interesting question though because I think again that there's a kind of perception that that's the kind of player Spurs need. Um, but does Conte see it that way, or you know, is he expecting the creativity to come from you know his wide forwards and, and wing backs, which has certainly been the way 
um, you know, which has certainly been the way he's played so far. I mean, I think there's only one game as, apart from when he went with a back four against Chelsea when he was really short defenders. But there's only one game where he's deviated from the three four three, and that was Liverpool, which was a weird game, uh, the two two yeah. draw um, when he went with um, five. Leicester as well. I think Leicester as well. Way was one when that three two win. I think it was Winks, Skip, and Hoybier in the midfield. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that both those situations probably fair to say were kind of um, a case of needs must rather than a sort of tactical plan. So he, you know, he he doesn't really want to deviate from um, he doesn't really want to deviate from the, the three four three. Um, in which case, you, you kind of wonder. Um, you know where the creative player would, would, would kind of fit in, um, unless it was just a, a an option from the bench, as you said, Ricky. Um, I mean, I, I do. You know, I, I I did wonder about Ericsson. I think you know it's it's ancient history now, but you know, Conte had worked with him before. Um, you know, he he would have been a really interesting option, I think, for for Spurs. Um, he's obviously you know, now playing in a two for um, Ten Hag's United as as well, so. You know, he 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 was one um, that I definitely think was well. well I'm I'm certain was was kind of considered. Um, I'm not sure how far that got. So you know, perhaps perhaps in in, in the last week, um, you know, one of these um, yeah one of these names will kind of come into prominence. But uh, the way I see it, um, Conte is is kind of more focused on um, getting the right players at wing back and in wide forward because I think that's where he sees. Um, his team's sort of breaking down stubborn sides, you know, in the, in those wide areas. And before I pass back over to Jamie, Dan, I mean, just getting your thoughts on this. I mean, if Conte really did want that creative-minded midfielder, surely we're not in that situation. We're given how early Spurs did a lot of their business. Surely, mm. if it's such a demand of Conte, we wouldn't be waiting until the last eight, nine days of a window. Yeah, to be yeah, exactly. 70, 80 million on a player. That's arguably going to be sitting on the bench. If you see where I'm coming from. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, yeah, if, if he really wanted that type of player, I think I suppose we'd have signed that type of player already. Um, again, you know, we're, we're, if Hill uh, goes to, to Valencia, you know, Spurs want a replacement lined up. And it would be interesting to see, you know, what, what who that was and, and what type of player they were. You know, could it, for instance, be a player who could play as a wide forward um, but was capable of kind of dropping back to number 10. Um, I mean, the, the other thing to say is I think Kudasevsky uh, did an interview quite recently where he said his favourite position was number 10, and that's where he felt he was best. Um, you, you can make a pretty strong case that, you know, Kane is a kind of half nine, half 10. Um, yep. I think uh, Conte has spoken at a kind of great length about wanting to improve Skip um, on the ball um, and make him better in the final third. Uh, Basuma, you know, is more than capable of, um, you know, getting up the pitch. I think probably more so than than Hoybier. So, again, there there are players in the squad that that will be able to do the role that we're talking about. Um, mm. So, you know, do do Spurs need to go out and buy a, a specialist who who wouldn't start in the current system? I don't know. Mm. I mean, the only thing I will say just for me. Uh... Dan is by doing last one on Spurs twice a week, post-match and pre-match games. The thoughts are to keep, try, keep trying to pronounce Ruslan Malinowski and trying to get that <laughs> right every single show is going to be a real battle for me. So, yeah, uh, I mean, that's why I didn't try. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, love you let, let me, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, on the script, it's actually one of my questions. So, Ricky, you've done very well to steal it. And uh, that means I don't have to ask it. So I'm very grateful for that. But, yeah, Dan, just uh, I think Brian Hill, he does look like he is going to go to Valencia. And as we mentioned, you know, Conte has said that he wants to replace players. So, do you think we might? Do you think that we are going to see another forward coming in? Do you think a player like an Adama Traore or maybe a Wilfred Zaha is that is that kind of the player that Spurs might look to? And and, and what are your kind of thoughts on Adama Traore? I know he's still being linked with Spurs, obviously, you know, by by a couple of reports. What, mm-hmm. what would you make of Adama or a player of that ilk coming to Spurs? Um, well, first of all, I don't think Zaha's um, going to happen. I mean, he would be Palace would surely want about a hundred million to sell him. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't see that one uh, happening at all. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, on Hill, um, I think it's a kind of interesting situation because I, I think you know, Conte has obviously said he doesn't think he is completely suitable for the Premier League, but I think Conte is also kind of conscious that he's, he is a pretty talented player. You know, he's he's played for Spain. Um, you know, he was very highly thought of when he came to Spurs. Um, and I think that there, there's a kind of acceptance that um, he's actually not a bad kind of fourth or fifth or sixth forward to have in there. You know, that, that Spurs could do much worse than, than having him as, as that kind of uh, final forward option. Um, so there's an acceptance, I think, that, you know, to, to let him go uh, on loan and, and not, you know, not get any money, but, but continue his development that they would then have to find someone um, who was better than uh, a kind of decent Spain international um, and who also was willing to kind of compete with Kane and so on and Kulisevsky and Richarlison and Lucas, which is which is not easy. Um, so it's, it's a tricky one. Um, Adama, I definitely think, uh, is, is a one worth keeping an eye on, obviously because of his contract situation um, at Wolves, um, you know, that they're going to want to sell. Paratici obviously likes him. You know, personally, I'm, I'm not totally convinced. I mean, he's already kind of turned down Spurs once. Um, I I'm, I'm, would be more interested in seeing what Conte could do with him as a, as a wing back um, on the right side. But, but Spence has already come in doesn't look like Doherty and, and Emerson are kind of going anywhere. Um, so you would just end up kind of overloaded in that position if Adama comes in to play there. Um, and, I'm, and I'm personally, you know, just not convinced um, of him as a forward. You know, that said, it would just be fascinating to see what Conte could do with him. Um, just he's such a great coach. Um, and there clearly are some really exciting raw materials there. Um, so yeah, I think I think worth keeping an eye on, on Adama. Um, you know, I don't have any um, searing transfer exclusives for you, but I mean, he's obviously a player that that, that Spurs uh, have looked at in the past. Um, is is well regarded, and you know, potentially could be um, you know a decent direct replacement for for Hill. I, th- I thought that was quite interesting, actually. I was going to ask about whether you th- thought you know, that the Dharma Traore could come in and play in that right wing-back role. We've seen in a... I think it was a recent interview, I think it might have been with BT Sport, and I think Spurs put it on their channels as well, about Conte was explaining how the wing-backs work, and he, and he likes to use... He said he likes to use wing-backs that have been wingers. So I think yeah, mm-hmm. Dharma could be quite interesting as a wing-back. But just, just to bring quickly back on, on Brian Hill, of course, another low move for him. Do you think there's any chance that this is a player that might make it at Spurs or, or do you think he's a guy that just doesn't seem to fit into a Antonio Conte system? 
Yeah, I mean, probably the, the latter, unfortunately. I mean, again, you know, Conte was, was pretty clear that he just doesn't see him as a, as a kind of Premier League player um, or, or just doesn't think he's quite got the the physicality, I guess, to, to play um, to play in his team in the Premier League. That's not to say he couldn't, you know, necessarily play for someone else in English football. Um, but it clearly, clearly, you know, he's clearly he's a he's a good player. Um, I don't think it's quite going to work for Spurs. You know, it, it strikes me that you know he was a signing, uh, a kind of early Pratici signing um, that perhaps Pratici wouldn't make now. Um, now that he's got a bit more expertise around him. Um, of the English market, and now that he's got Conte um, as manager, um, you know I think that was a you know a deal designed to get a young prospect in, and you know get Lamella off the books as well. Um, that that maybe seemed quite smart, but you know in hindsight he he just suppose just hadn't quite done their due diligence on on whether he would be suitable for um, you know for this country. Um, but I'm, you know I think he's probably going to go back to Spain and, and, and be very, very good, um, you know, have a very good career there. Um, but just, you know, one of those players that, <clears throat> yeah, just, just doesn't seem right for, for English football. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you arrive during the season, it's not easy. This is quite the welcome in North London. It was a big challenge for me. And it looks like they pinched all three points. This type of situation make me uh, a bit angry. Surely not another twist. I was a bit scared before the game. Oh, and it's in! It's Harry Kane with the header! Look what it means to the new head coach. We needed to work very hard. Stephen Bergwijn! I don't believe it! They were going home with nothing. They leave with everything. Yes! It was the tough period. Oh, and he's curled it into the top corner. He's done it again! Important three points for us. And Lucas Moura! The fight for Champions League football is going to go right to the wire. At the end of the season, one point instead of zero point can change your life. Did you believe top four was possible? Yes. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dan, I was going to go straight to our defenders, but only because it's been come up in the comments and there's been a few links to him today. Just another winger, if you don't mind me asking you about, is Dan James. Only because we were on the subject of talking about Adama Traore. And I mean, again, it's, it's another name in potentially a list that has been speculated upon. Um, is that one that is of a credible name you could see coming to Spurs as things stand at the moment in the window? I mean, I don't know about that. I saw um, my esteemed colleague, the great Alistair Gold, um, <laughs> had said uh, that he was a player that Paratici liked. Um, yeah, I, I haven't personally heard that. Um, it, I mean, I think as as Ali uh, outlined in, in, in his piece on it, it, it would strike me as a really strange signing just because he's, he's not homegrown. Um, he wouldn't necessarily play more for Spurs than he would for Leeds. Um, and, and I don't think he's a, he's a particularly good player either. That's just my personal view. So I'll be okay. pretty surprised. I mean, I mean, one thing I, I, I will say is that you know there'll, there'll be at this stage of the window there you know there are just a lot of clubs and agents offering players around. You know that's that's natural. Um, and Spurs will, will probably be you know looking at a lot of players, offered a lot of players. And that, yeah. that you know that that doesn't necessarily mean you know, a bid's going to go in imminently or anything like that. Um, so it may just be that you know Dan James is is one of the many players who you know is is again a potential for uh, that fifth or sixth striker spot should Hill mm. go. Just to also get your thoughts, Dan. Again, we'll come on to defenders in a second. But someone like Anthony Gordon, I'm not asking you to speculate. Maybe over a move to Tottenham, but the the financial price on that guy's head at the moment, which we understand to be in the region of sixty mm. million pounds. I mean, probably that's the value of what it is for Everton in order of what it would be to lose him for their squad mm-hmm. of sixty million. But uh, can you quite work out that figure on Anthony Gordon's head? Seems like again, talented player, lots of potential, but based on his stats, which I saw earlier today. I think uh, is it four goals, three assists, around a total of sixty appearances in total for Everton. Um, can can you understand that? Well, no. Player? I mean, he he. By the way, you know, he was a player Spurs were, were, were definitely interested in, um, and I think probably still uh, are keeping an eye on the situation for sure. Um, and I think again, you know, he he was someone that um, Spurs and Chelsea, you know, potentially think could play. As wing back or, or a forward, um, but I think the feeling from Spurs earlier in the window, you know, when they were talking to Everton about Richarlison, was that you know Everton would would want silly money for him, um, and also that you know they were very very reluctant to lose him because of the sort of message that would send to their fan base, which would again you know add, just add to his price. So Spurs it cooled on that deal. Um, it looks like Chelsea. Are probably going to go for it at sixty million. Yeah, I think it's it's a massive price. Um, they're going to overpay for him, that's for sure. Um, they've probably overpaid for Cucurella as well. Um, I suppose uh, a player is only kind of worth what someone's willing to pay for him. So um, you know, it, it may prove to be an inspired bit of business for them if if he really comes good, but. Yeah, I mean, certainly when you consider that they're sending Hudson Odoi on loan uh, to, to Germany this week, um, it, it seems a, a pretty strange bit of business. And you do wonder whether <clears throat> they could have just kept their powder dry on that one and, and spent that money better in future. OK, let's um, turn our attention to the defenders and where we're at now. As so we knew of a quartet um, that Conte simply signed off and said, 
he doesn't see a future for them at Tottenham. Of course, that was Tony and Dombele, Giovanni Lascelles. So that have now respectively uh, got moves elsewhere. Obviously, and Dombele joining Napoli on loan uh, for the rest of the season. I think with a view to a, obviously a purchase there. We've got obviously um, Giovanni Lascelles, who has joined Villarreal with an option, as I understand, in January. Whereas if the player deems another move sufficient and Spurs, he can go ahead and take that move. Um, on those two, Dan, let's actually start. What, what have you made of of Ndombele and the Celsius departures? And how disappointed are you? Because I know, again, colleague of yours, Charlie Eccleshier, did a poll, um, yeah. I think, a couple of weeks ago, saying who has been the most, I'll try and put it the most politest way possible, the most underwhelming signing out of mm-hmm. the two. Just just how disappointed, Dan? Because I think I remember seeing you being very excited um, when Ndombele was announced and the Celso. So how upsetting is it for you maybe taking the uh, journalist hat off and the fan hat on that neither of them really have been a success at Tottenham? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it was disappointing. Um, yeah, I was definitely an, an, an non-believer. Um, and, yeah, and obviously I, I, I thought Lo Celso um, looked really promising for, for, for a kind of short period um, under Mourinho and, and, and was kind of hopeful that um, he would fulfil his, his kind of obvious talent and potential at Spurs as well. Um, yeah, it, it, they've just... Um, tanked, haven't they? Both, both of them um, in a big way. Um, I think an interesting sort of counterfactual where they're concerned is, you know, would it have been any better if Pochettino had, had stayed in the job? I think Pochettino obviously kind of quite wanted um, quite wanted Lo Celso um, as, as his fellow Argentine um, and, and Dombele was, was kind of obviously signed for him as well. Um so that they they were, you know, that their lives were made harder by the fact their manager they were signed for was sacked a few months after they joined. Definitely, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think everything that, that that has been said about them is, is kind of already been said. Um, massive flops. The danger is we just end up in the same situation a year from now, and, and they're back at Spurs or you know going on another loan. I think. You know the the club is hoping, in the case of the Celso, as you said, that you know he has a good half season for for Villarreal again, impresses at the World Cup for Argentina, and then you know in a potentially kind of more buoyant European market at the start of next year, you know there's a bit more um, competition for him, and, and they can you know perhaps get a bidding war going um, and and recoup something closer to what they paid for him um, <laughs> again and Dombele. You know the, the hope there is that you go to Napoli, um, slower pace league, but but they're in the Champions League um, and can just kind of show what he can do, and uh, and that either Napoli take up their option or next summer there's you know there's more interest in him. He obviously didn't do much back on loan at Leon to kind of drum up interest this summer, um, but yeah, I mean I thought actually on paper, um, you know people will hammer me for this, but I I, I actually maintain that. They were they were kind of quite smart signings. I mean, and Dombele, I still think is one of the few players that you know could have genuinely replaced Dembele. You know, he he's so press resistant; he can do that job in there. But I mean, again, you know, is, I mentioned earlier with Hill had had Spurs not quite done their due diligence. You, you do just wonder whether maybe you know had they um, had they looked less at the kind of last couple of seasons of. Of form from the Celsen and Dombele, and looked, you know, deeply at their kind of characters, 
and um, style of play. They, they might have concluded that they weren't kind of great fits, but yeah, um, just got to hope <laughs> we're not talking about this a year from now, I think. Absolutely. Um, Dan, it kind of led me on to the point where we're discussing in terms of outgoings of Tottenham. Um, obviously, Regulon was one of the four of that quartet. We're obviously going to ask you about Harry Winks as well, but Regulon, what I will ask you, Dan, is are you surprised given the fact that when Conte came in, I think there was going to be a real big clamour thinking, this guy, he's a wing-back. Conte's going to get the best out of him. He's got pace. He lacks maybe an end product that I think we all probably agree with. Are you surprised that it simply hasn't worked out and he has favoured Sessegnon? Because, again, I know many Spurs fans are of the opinion they're also doubtful whether Sessegnon has got the ability to really deliver that end product and are now championing Perisic to start in a majority of games. How, how do you see the way in which that's worked out in terms of that left-hand side of Spurs' defence? Yeah, I'm not hugely surprised. I mean, what Conte wants from his wing-backs is for them to be scoring and assisting a lot. You know, he wants them in the final third crossing for each other to score, ideally. You know, that's what he loves. Um, and I think when it happened for the first time last season, when kind of Sessegnon crossed for Doherty at Wolves, you know, that would felt like a significant moment for Conte because that's exactly what he wants. And actually, if you look at um, Regulon's history, you know, he's never um, played wing back before uh, last season. He doesn't score many goals. You know, he, he's he's assisted a few. He had a spell of putting in you know, quite nice kind of deep crosses under Mourinho for a while. But, you know, he's definitely not a kind of killer in the final third. And the amount of times that, that Kane sort of put the ball on a plate for him last season and he missed, you know, one-on-ones... Um, he must have really frustrated Conte. Uh, whereas actually, Cessignon has a has a very very good record in, of of being a goal scorer. You know, he's he had a, he's got a season at Fulham, you know, as a teenager where he scored I think seventeen goals, something like that. So you know, he knows where the net is. You know, he scored in his Spurs debut against Bayern Munich, and he's lo- he's lost confidence and and particularly in his own body, I think, over the last kind of couple of years with all the hamstring injuries. But I think. Conte has seen in him that you know he is a player that can be a wing back in his team. You know he has that um, he has that instinct for goal um, that Conte wants, um, and I think once he builds himself up physically and and you know trusts his body a bit more, he, he's kind of got um, you know the engine and, and the, the sort of physicality um, that, that Conte wants as well. So I think I'm not hugely surprised. Um, I think if, you know, needs must, then I think Regulon could, is a player who could do a job and, and has done a job um, right. in that position. You know, I don't, I don't think he's a kind of big liability or anything, but um, the first thing kind of Conte wanted to do um, last season, once his side was up and running, was upgrade the, the wing-backs. And he's obviously done that with Perisic. Um, the right side is, is still a bit of a question mark. Um but uh, yeah, I, I'm not sort of th- that um, surprised that he's 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 binned off um, Reggie. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting about Ryan Sessium. I totally agree. That it's, it's just confidence. I mean, we've seen he can you know score those goals as you said. I mean, remember him back to that time at Fulham when he had that fantastic year in the Championship, scoring so many goals. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Sessium. But another player that looks like he might leave the club is, is Jack Tangangers. Reported interest from AC Milan and then, of course, Nottingham Forest, I think, crept up yesterday as well. 
do you think he's a player that might leave Spurs and um, is there a future at all for him at Spurs? Because he's not really kicked on, has he, at Spurs? We obviously had that fantastic debut against Liverpool, but not really quite happened for him at Spurs, Jack Tanganga. No, it's not really. I think he's been pretty unlucky with injuries. Um, he's He's got quite a few at kind of the wrong time as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he, I think he's a good player. He, he's quite versatile, um, aggressive, uh, has, has some really strong attributes, but I don't think long-term he's kind of good enough um, for where Spurs want to want to be going. And I think that's kind of been recognised. Um, obviously, he's come through the academy, so to get a loan deal with, with an option of, I think, 20 millions being spoken about, I've, I've read that today, you know, would obviously be a really, really good bit of business for Spurs. Um, and I think a good move for him as well. Um, I think he's he's more than capable of being a kind of Premier League or, or possibly Serie A regular somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I definitely think he's someone who Spurs are kind of looking to move on um, in the next week. And then, yeah, as we've said, if, if that happens, they'll get someone else in. I'm interested to ask you, Dan, about some of the midfield options and a player that you've wrote about recently, Pierre Mihoybier. Um, As you all know, uh, fellow Spurs reporters amongst you, and as we know of doing the pod as well, um, it, it's interesting with Hoybier. I would say about fellow Spurs fans, and again, many different guests we have on last one on Spurs, that he really does polarise opinion. Some, in my case, for he's a midfield general, he's a lieutenant to Conte, so important as a leader of that dressing room. There's others that just can't see long-term what he can provide to the club that we can't get maybe elsewhere. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued. I know you wrote a piece recently. Where do you sit on Pierre-Emile And we've seen, you know, supposed interest from Real Madrid um, in the player. Um, tell us your thoughts on Pierre-Emile and whether you feel he has got a long-term future at Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, my view is that I think he's been underappreciated and is underappreciated. Um, I think, you know, part of that probably stems from the fact that um, he's probably played too much over the last couple of years. And that's largely because Spurs just haven't had anyone else in there. I mean, he was competing, you know, for a while with, with kind of a, a declining Sissoko and, and, a, and a Winks who's been out of favour for, for a while now. Um, and he hasn't really had any competition um, in there until until this season, really. Um, I think he also has a habit of of kind of wanting to play every minute, a bit like Kane, and that's sometimes, you know, to, to his detriment because he's played with, with Knox and perhaps when he needs a rest, and 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 that's when he's kind of underperformed. So, I think he um, is underappreciated, but at the same time, I'm kind of intrigued um, to see what happens when he's not in the team um, and when perhaps Basuma's in there next to Bentancur or, or, or just any two of Skip, Bentancur and, and Basuma. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see whether Spurs um, really miss him, whether they can have more control in midfield than they did in the games against Chelsea and Wolves, whether, whether they're a bit more press resistant, whether they progress the ball um, a bit better, because I think that has been a weakness. Um, and, and I think... You know, it's pretty clear that Hoybier is is kind of not, um, uh, yeah, not a particularly kind of creative option in the opposition half. You know, I think he can be quite ponderous um, on the ball, um, and he, he's not kind of got that 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 ability that that Skip has, and I think Bentancur has um, to just kind of move the ball on with both feet 
kind of very very quickly and 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 efficiently and, and impressively um so yeah but he he obviously brings other things to the table he, he I mean, including a lot of intangibles um you know he's he's very very serious guy very sort of professional guy and i think he kind of sets a lot of standards around the team and the dressing room and and raises standards as well and i think in that regard he's kind of quite similar to conte in in his outlook and approach um and, and definitely kind of i think one of you just said it you know he, he one of conte's kind of generals um but yeah i think key player for spurs definitely got a future but but i'm interested to see what happens without him in the team and and the piece i wrote for the standard this week basically outlined those points and said you know we might really only get an idea of of how valuable he is when he's not in the team anymore you know if spurs look much better um, with a more kind of progressive option in there, then we might start thinking, you know, that they've they've progressed a bit beyond Hoybier. But just as easily, I think we could be saying, um, hold on, uh, we're, we're really missing uh, the, the kind of intangibles, the work rate, the, the the kind of dirty stuff he does in the middle of the park, and that's gone now. And, and we kind of didn't know what we had until until we haven't got it. You mentioned there about how many games he has played. And I think I saw a stat this morning that no no outfield player since he arrived at the club or, you know, in terms of the whole Premier League has, has played more minutes than him. So it shows you, I think that's something that's so underrated about him is his availability. I think to mm-hmm. always, always be there for Conte. He's missed just two games since he's arrived at the club, which I think is really important. I think that was a big thing about Christian Eriksen that I remember. You know, although he had maybe games where he was, you know, dipping in out form, he was always available. So, that's such a big thing for, for Hoybier. It's always available, as I said. But um, j- just on, you know, the midfield options, you know, you've got four really quality players there now. Bentoncourt, Skip, Hoybier, um, kind of, and then Basuma, of course, that's the other one. Um, maybe, you know, eventually, who do you kind of see as being Conte's um, best pairing? Obviously, now, you know, it seems to be uh, Bentoncourt and Hoybier at the moment. But kind of long term, when everything's fully going, who do you kind of anticipate will be that that tool maybe you'd like to see? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting question, and I, I really don't know the answer. Um I personally really am intrigued to see a uh skip Basuma pairing. Um I really like Skip. I think he's got a really high ceiling um to be a kind of proper box-to-box top midfielder um he's got sort of both feet he can pass the ball he does the dirty work as well um you know he was singled out by Mourinho if I recall rightly for his kind of leadership qualities despite being very young um and I haven't you know seen a huge amount of Basuma but you know I remember definitely two out of the three times Spurs played Brighton last season he just ran the game and, and was was brilliant so I'm really excited to, to kind of see more of him and start seeing him every week. I think, yeah, he'll be a bit more of a dynamic option, certainly than, than kind of Hoybier. Um, so I, I'd be intrigued to see those two. But I mean, Benton has been just a great signing and, and probably would have got um, uh, more praise if he hadn't come in a kind of pair with Kulisevsky. He's, he's just been outstanding as well. Um, and then obviously, as I said, you know, Hoybier is, I think, under undervalued. Um so, four good options there. Um, if I had to kind of, yeah, um, bet the house on it, 
I could see Conte going with Basuma and Hoybier in in kind of big games when Spurs are really up to speed. Um, at least starting with those two. But I think at the moment he 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 likes Skip, and it's anyone's guess, isn't it? It's it's just impossible. I've been just thinking about off the top of my head. I just I literally cannot think. Kind of everyone brings you know real quality to that team and, and maybe something different. So I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see um, how how that midfield pairing gets on. But just in terms of two players who maybe are not going to benefit from from four options in midfield is Papa Mata Sar and, and Harry Winks. Are those two players that maybe you expect to leave the club? And um, yeah, I mean, what kind of what's the latest on on those two players? Yeah, I mean, Winks is, is a obviously not in Conte's plans nor training with the squad um I mean I expect he will leave in, in the last week I think you know that there was an anticipation from sort of his camp a few weeks ago that it was going to go down to the last kind of week 10 days which I guess we're in now um it could easily be a, a kind of deadline deal um I mean Spurs will I guess get uh, you know, soften their position in terms of asking price and what they're prepared to do, which um, you know will perhaps interest a lot of Premier League clubs. You know, in, in the last few days, they'll, they'll be kind of hoping to get a bargain from Spurs. I also think you know I could see him going to Spain. Um, I mean, there's you know, English players just seem more open to, to going overseas now, which is kind of a good thing. Yeah, I think he has some Spanish heritage and. You know, he he just is a type of player that w- that would suit La Liga. I mean, he 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 plays in in that in that way, and I think there'd be lots of Spanish clubs who who would quite like the idea of you know maybe getting him on loan for a year and, and seeing what he could do. Um, as for Saar, um, yeah, I, I just don't know a huge amount about um, Saar because I didn't really watch Mets last season. So again, kind of someone I'm interested in seeing. I mean, I think. The feeling at the start of the summer was very much that he would probably go out on another loan, and and most likely, you know, this time to uh, an English club or either a, a kind of bigger European club. I think Mets were fighting relegation last year, so I suppose they'd probably want him in a sort of higher level team if they did send him out. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna, I guess struggle to to get much game time um Harvey White is, is another player who I, I guess is kind of competing with him to be the what fifth or sixth um choice in there so I, it could come down to you know who who they who's got the best um what which options present themselves for those two players and kind of which Spurs think is, is the best one to keep around and which they think is the best to send out you know what, Dan, very interesting. I want to ask you on it quickly. I think lots of fans just seem to expect that, you know, when we bring a player in that needs a loan, why can he not get a Premier League loan? Why can he not get an English loan? I think, you know, the likes of Hill, um, Saar, we've seen down the years with Tottenham, they've signed these prospects and there's an expectation why they can't get an English loan. Is that, again, Dan, in, in both camps, one that you know, if they go back to a country that they really know well, they will perform. Therefore, if there isn't a spot for them at Tottenham, you're going to most likely extract a decent size fee and at the same time there just might not be that perceived interest in England. Is that what maybe is the struggles of trying to find the right loan for the respective players? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you obviously, when you send someone out, you know, you, you're really hoping they're going to play every week. Um, and, you know, that, that that's that's the, the kind of main um, factor, I think. You just don't want to be sending someone on loan who's then 
they're not going to make an impression and, and barely play. Um, I mean, I think Hill is, is kind of interesting, isn't it? Because if if he's not suited to the Premier League, then, then you would say he's not going to get suited to the Premier League by going back to Valencia. So I, I kind of get, I get that argument completely. Yep. Um, you know, similarly with Saar, you know, if if uh, if he's going to be someone who Conte is going to kind of potentially use next year, then then you want him, you know, maybe getting to grips with this country and getting to grips with this league. So yeah, I, I get that, I get those arguments, but. I think the most uh, kind of important thing is to find a club where they're just going to keep getting minutes because you know, that's that's the main reason you want someone out on loan. Um, yeah, to, to sort of in the, in their cases to continue their development, um, and in the case of Lacelso and Dombele, be in the shop window. Just to ask you about a player that was on loan last season, subsequently has now moved to Spurs. Jed Spence, uh, so far mm. obviously, has yet to feature in a Spurs shirt. Left out of the last two squads, which Antonio Conte has selected. I just wonder, from your perspective, what we play into that, or whether it's just a case that behind the scenes, Spence needs to earn Conte's trust and show that he can play the Conte way. Really, got to say, build into that methodology Conte is trying to create. Is there an apprehension or maybe concern that he's not quite ready? this season for Conte? What do you think? Yeah, I think he's a, he's a really interesting case. I mean, obviously, um, Conte went on record kind of describing him as a club signing, um, which, I, which I think was was quite pointed. Um, I mean, I don't think, you know, Spurs would have signed him if Conte had said, I absolutely don't want this guy. You know, it's, it's not uh, a case of that, but it's clearly a case that this is someone who the club has said, you know, we want to invest in as a player for the future, this is part of our transfer strategy, signing you know, the best young players from the Football League. And, you know, we want you to to work with him. And Conte said, OK. Um, but yeah, as you said, it, it, it's clearly um, a case of, of him having to kind of get up to speed with the Conte way and the Premier League um, and, and kind of earn his place, which I think he's more than capable of doing, by the way. Um, but I guess, you know, if, if there's a warning... Um, you know, Jack Clark was signed for Pochettino. Uh, and I, you know, I always remember going to the one of the first press conferences after Jack Clark had signed, and you know, someone asking Pochettino about him, and, and he kind of couldn't have been less keen to talk about it. You know, he just wasn't his signing, and he made that clear from the start. Mm-hmm. Similarly, I think Mourinho um, was never kind of disparaging of Joe Roden, but kind of always made it clear that. Um, you know, he wanted a, a kind of experienced centre half. I remember, I think Roden played at Chelsea um, shortly after Silva had yes, signed, yes. and then yep, Mourinho yep. basically came out and said, "Look, they've signed Thiago Silva, and, and the club has signed me, Joe Roden." And so that never felt like a kind of happy relationship either. Um, and obviously, those two, you know, have ended up leaving the club, having barely played in the first team. So I, think, I guess that is the danger with Spence that you know, if you sign players for the manager, that they're not you know, they didn't desperately want, um, you know, it, it can end up um, that way. But yeah. I do think um, Spence is is more than capable of of kind of forcing his way into to Conte's thinking, particularly because I think he plays in a position that, you know, for me is still a kind of weak link in, in the side. You know, I don't think Regulon has, has kind of cooler guys he is. The, sorry, Emerson Royale, as cool a guy as he is, is, is kind yeah, of yeah. the answer there. Um, and, you know, I'm not totally convinced by, by Doherty either. So, yeah, um, I think he's an interesting case. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, 
I know you guys were saying before we started recording that, you know, perhaps he could go out on loan. Um, you know, I'd be surprised if that happened um, this summer. But, you know, if he's if he's still struggling to get in the squad, then obviously you know, he's going to be wanting to do that, um, you know, as soon as the, the January transfer window opens. That's for sure. I was just going to ask a follow-up on the right wing back spot because I think for me that is a bit of a concern in terms of the options that we do have and I think you mentioned earlier in the show you know if we don't have that creative midfielder we are obviously looking for creativity to come from elsewhere and, and for me that probably needs to come from the wing back so is, is that an, a can, real concern for you that right wing back spot that maybe we don't have that option to, to really provide that creativity because on the left we've, we've seen that what the difference Ivan Perisic has made. Obviously, made a great start to his first career. So, are you concerned at all about the right wing back spot? Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but I mean, I do think, as I just said, you know, it's still um, the most obvious area of the, the squad that, that could be upgraded, and and a lot depends on on whether Spence, you know, will be of the required level, right? But um, you know, I think. Royale against Wolves, you know, put in a fairly typical performance. You know, he saw a lot of the ball, um, but you, you just never really felt like he was going to be the one to make the breakthrough in the final third. You know, he's he's kind of quite good at winning the odd corner and and, and free kick, but I don't think he's uh, sorry throw in rather, but I don't think he's kind of great at um, you know getting it to far post, getting goals, and and kind of putting in the, the kind of ball that Conte wants from his wing backs. Doherty, I think. Had a really good spell, but you know it, it was quite a brief spell before he got injured last year, where, where the penny seemed to drop. And you know, I think perhaps people have set a bit too much store on, on that little run of games. You know, be- before that, I thought he was pretty average. Um, so you know, he's got to kind of prove that that wasn't just a, a sort of flash in the pan. And then yeah, and then we're, we're kind of back to to whether Spence is is going to do enough to to get in the side and impress Conte. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's an area where still the area, rather, where Spurs could upgrade. Um, but there's probably just about enough there. You know, if, if Doherty comes good, if Spence comes good, if Royale's reliable in most games. So I think there's just about enough there um, to, to, to kind of not warrant panicking over it or, 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 or trying to buy another wing back in the, in the last week. Yeah, so obviously, as you said, we've got a week left in the transfer window. Kind of, what, what are your feelings on how many more players might come through the door at Spurs? We mentioned there might be a, you know, maybe a, a forward come through, a, a central defender. What, what kind of your feelings on maybe what Spurs need and, and how many you expect to come through? Yeah, I mean, I think probably the, the, the maximum is going to be two. And, and, and yeah, as, as we've said, it would be to replace Hill and Tanganga. Um, so, yeah, you're potentially looking at a new forward and a new centre-half. Um, I would be surprised if it was it was kind of much beyond that and, and it may end up, you know, only being one because only one of them goes. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think most of the business um, was you know, done early, which, which was a good thing. And I think that the priority in the last kind of week or so will be probably finding a new club for Winks and Regulon and, and perhaps sorting, you know, loans for, for players that, that need loans. But, but look, Conte's, you know, on the record, he's, he's been very clear that he he's happy with the squad size he's got. And so, you know, he's not going to tolerate kind of 
players leaving without others coming in. So yeah, I still think there's you know there, there, there's work to do on incomings as well. Dan, leaving us on a cliffhanger. Dan, it's been a real pleasure having you on Last Word on Spurs. Thank you so much for your time. It's been insightful. Like I say, we've covered a variety of different topics from the recruitment to Hoybier, giving some more appreciation to him and in terms of what's left of the window. Um, Dan, where can we find all the latest coverage from you on Spurs? I say, if anyone doesn't know where to find you, I can't believe they don't, but where, where can they find all the latest work you provide on Tottenham? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter, uh, Dan underscore KP. Um, and obviously you can pick, if you're in London, pick up the Evening Standard. It's free. So no reason not to. Love it. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And Jay, I'm sure you agree. Great interview and great to get the latest on Spurs. Where can we find, Jay, all the stuff you provide on Tottenham? Yeah, obviously my Twitter handle's there. Um, but no, I, I think really interesting show today. Of course, you know, we do these transfer shows. Usually we're, you know, grilling the journalists, asking, you know, when's these players going to come through the door? But Look, we've, we've done most of our business and, uh, you know, done some really good stuff. So it was nice to have kind of a more of a relaxed chat. So I really enjoyed today's show. Absolutely. Listen, guys, thank you so much for your support. We know we had a good 700, 800 of you watching us here live. So really appreciate all your support for last one on Spurs. From Jamie, from Dan, thank you so much for your support. We'll be back with you very soon. And as always, come on you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.